oh, I use my cane all the time. I'm yeah. not embarrassed. And if I bump into people, you know, they learn pretty quickly that they're not going to mess with me. You know, some kids get sassy. It's a student speaking their own language saying, hey, man, we don't have to put up with this. Right. We, you know, we can be independent and we can ask for the things we need. And this is part of who I am and I deserve this opportunity. And so I'm going to stand up for myself. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here's your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman. We are bringing in Sarah Merritt as our guest. Sarah is the principal of short-term programs here at TSBDI. This student offering emphasizes our continuum of services, and I'm looking forward to having her explain why. for a very unique program. To start us off, can you define short-term programs at TSBVI? Sure. Short-term programs are three to five day programs during the school year for students to come and gain skills in a particular topic. In the summer, they short-term means anywhere from one week to five weeks. Mm -hmm. So it really has two different meanings depending on the time of year. Mm -hmm. So what kind of topics do you have lined up for this school year? I have this big list in front of me, and I will bore all the listeners if I read all of these, but just to highlight a few, uh, every year we have a class called Access to Academics, uh -huh. and that we have that for elementary age students, and we have that for secondary age students, and that's um, a class where we try to focus on topics that students need in their academic classes, so mm -hmm. math, science, language arts, what are the access to those skills um, that they're struggling with related to their visual impairment. Right. So it's not that we're teaching the academic content of that math class, mm -hmm. although in some cases we kind of, we have to dive yeah. in there, but, <laughs> yeah. but it may be, it, w what is difficult about that geometry explanation that has to do with your visual impairment? Mm -hmm. Do you need magnification or do you need tactile graphics? for that student to have access to the same content as the other students in the class at the same time as the other students in the class. So we try to build skills for students to self-advocate mm -hmm. and to use tools so that they're not falling behind in those classes. So um, why is it that short-term programs uh, serve students that are close to or on grade level more so than other students? We serve students who can come to campus for a short period of time and meet their goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. And so in three to five days, you have to be able to adjust quickly to a new environment, new adults, new residential staff, and make that adjustment quickly so that we can work on the goals and objectives that we have for you so that you can go back to your district and apply the learning that you had here. Mm -hmm. And so for many students, and I've spent the great majority of my career working with students um, that are served in what are in Texas called life skills settings, so students with multiple right. disabilities, with mm -hmm. cognitive disabilities, and students with cognitive disabilities need more time to adjust. You, you need to develop your relationship with the student first before they're gonna trust you enough to kind of, yeah, you can, yeah, I'll work with you on this instruction. Yeah. We'll work on these goals and objectives once I determine that I trust you enough yeah. to, you know, 
to uh, come out of my shell in order to get this instruction, they've got to adjust fairly quickly. But it turns out that a lot of the specialists that we have, I mean, I think in outreach, a lot of them are focused on students that have agglomeration of disabilities mm -hmm. so that it requires more specialized support. So if right. you have deaf blindness and a cognitive disability, you know, there's a lot of specialization that goes into that, and that's right. where our outreach department has a lot of folks that are mm -hmm. trained and specialized in that area. But for students who are in the gen ed curriculum, the, I think the prevailing thought is, well, those students can just access the content. We don't need a lot of specialization in that area. And so when short-term programs was designed way back in 1999, it was because there was this gap. Mm -hmm. You know, there were the students who had intensive needs, and uh, there were people designed to meet those students' needs. And then there were the students who came to TSBBI, and they wanted to have their instruction here so they could have the whole school year or multiple school years to work on what their needs were. And then there were the students that were, you know, if I could, could just get access to specific technology instruction or specific math instruction or, you know, specific Braille instruction, I could get over the hump. I could stay in my community. I, really, I don't really want to leave my home environment, my mm -hmm. community. I just need to get these specialized skills. And so we, at that time, they discovered there was a gap mm -hmm. in the service delivery model across the state. Okay. So short-term programs was designed specifically to address those students that are being served in the gen ed environment that did truly have needs that fell outside of what a TVI could provide. So it turns out that you really do need to have people who have the time available to research and develop this specialized instruction. But we have other parts of our program here at TSBVI that are meeting other needs. Right. So outreach has lots of areas of specialization that they can help go out and support a team or a school mm -hmm. in, in getting the appropriate instruction in place. And comprehensive programs has the full continuum of, of educational offerings for, for districts and families that feel like, okay, we, we need it to be so intensive, we need them to leave the home environment. But for short term, it's, you know, we're going to come there for these quick little um, intensive visits and we're going to get those skills. And then we've used the state's resources really responsibly right? because we've gotten that. And then now the students are in that gen ed environment mm -hmm. and they're being successful. And, and then in short term programs, during the summer, we serve the full continuum of students. Right. So we have students. Um, who are served in all settings during the summer. We offer for, for all students during the summer. It's just during the school year that we have this specialization for a group that kind of falls in between the cracks sometimes. Yeah, and, I can um, see that. So when you bring kids in to work on some of these really specific skills, um, how do you follow up with them once they go back to their district or, or do you hear from them again? Usually students come to multiple classes, so we do usually hear from them again. But our TVIs who refer the students in the first place, mm -hmm. they get a report, as well as the parents, get a report that summarizes what the student did during their time here. So oh. we, we have goals and objectives for each class, mm -hmm. and then the TVI and the parents get this report that says, you know, here's how the student did, here's what they did well in, here's what they struggled with, and here are our recommendations. So sometimes from that, a TVI will contact us and ask for more information 
or have an ongoing email or phone relationship with our TVIs, mm -hmm. and then may decide, you know what, I, I want to refer to another class to extend that learning. They need more instruction. So um, it, it's really an ongoing communication, usually via email or phone. And um, our teachers do reach out and sometimes call a TVI and say, you know, this student hasn't been referred to this class and we noticed they were struggling with this topic earlier this year, you may consider another referral. So sometimes we'll reach out and advocate for students to refer to a certain class. So then you can have kids that might come a few times during a school year if there's different skills they need to work on. Right. Usually the first time they find out about short-term programs, that first year, they come yeah. to everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think last year we had someone come to 10 different classes. Wow. And they were from a really remote part of the state that they didn't have access to a lot of services. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that's very unusual to come to 10 different classes. Yeah. But most people come to, I would say, two to three classes, most students. And uh, they, they balance uh, the academic classes with the expanded core curriculum classes that are focused on ECC or, and or recreational topics. Okay. So, um, you know, you kind of spoke to this a little bit, but why do you think there's a need for short-term programs and why can't comprehensive or outreach programs serve all the kids? Um, or why can't they serve them like you do? Well, we directly teach students, mm -hmm. so that's, um, that's unique as opposed to outreach, mm -hmm. you're supporting the, the system around the students. You're supporting the, the instruction, the in, instructional environment, the teacher, so that the teacher has the skills they need to provide that instruction, mm -hmm. if I understand correctly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we are actually directly teaching the students, so that's one slight difference. Mm -hmm. And then in comprehensive, you know, they're being referred to come here for a, a significant length of time, even if that's just one school year. That's a, they're away from home, that's out of the least restrictive environment, as we say yeah. in the ARD meeting. <laughs> um, but we can have a student come to one of our programs with little impact on their regular school and, you know, for three to five days and get, you know, a life-changing skill that, oh, that's been the obstacle to this student achieving, they just needed this one set of specialized skills or this really unique instruction. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's meeting a need. It was, I think it was developed in 1999 and uh, it's been going strong ever since because there was a gap that students who were on or close to grade level were just, you know, they, they got support from their TVI, mm -hmm. but once they had mastered whatever learning medium they were using, whether that's braille or large print, they were kind of, you know, on their own to negotiate the different struggles they faced mm -hmm. in school. And so we found there was a need for students who were on or close to grade level to come in, get really intensive, short, uh, intensified instruction, mm -hmm. and, um, and then go back to their district and, and miss out on essentially no curriculum in their home environment because they send homework with with them when they come here. Oh, that's great. And we have two hours a day, one with our teachers and one with our dorm staff where students are working on homework from their local district. That's really great. One of the things that I went to recently was a meeting about um, an event that Outreach puts on with short-term programs, which is called Game of Life. And I thought that was a unique way to highlight why our um, programs are different. So is, could you describe like why, why short-term and Outreach team up for that one or what that event is? 
It's such a great class. It's so fun. And I think because we both get to focus on the our targeted audiences, so outreach is focused on families mm -hmm. and teachers, and short-term is focused on students. So we'll work with the students and help build their skills in self-advocacy, and outreach will work with parents and families. And, you know, there's kind of a unique language that you use with both of those groups yeah. to get them to buy into the fact that, our children are getting older, yeah. and it's time for them to start doing more things for themselves. <laughs> yeah. and, and they can, and they will succeed, but you have to step back and mm -hmm. let them take on these challenges. And sometimes they're going to struggle, and you're going to be there to support them. But I think each department is uniquely equipped to help support their focused group, whether that's students or families. Mm -hmm. And um, they also benefit from time being together as a group, like building relationships with other families or with other students who have similar needs and issues. And, you know, the kids can say, yeah, my mom will never let me cook. She'll never <laughs> let me get near the stove. And, and they can share that. And then by the end of that weekend, the parents make some kind of commitment to allow their child to start doing a few things more independently. And the student makes a commitment to to asking to do things and mm -hmm. stop, you know, letting their parents do everything for yeah. them and really stepping forward. So, so it's a unique opportunity, I think, for both of us to, or both of our departments to showcase our skills and really connect and then come back together as a group. And the parents share what they've learned in front of the students and the, parent, the students share what they've learned in front of the yeah. parents. And, so it's it's a great class. It's a neat opportunity. It sounds it sounded pretty cool when I was being filled in. Yes. <laughs> so I know you had mentioned that your program serves students during the school year, but also during the summer. Um, is there a is there a specific way that your summer programs are different from your school year programs? Summer programs are enrichment only, so they're not in your local school district. You have what's called extended school year, uh -huh. and you may work on IEP goals or objectives in which you've had to show regression, and that's not what our summer programs are. Our mm -hmm. summer programs are enrichment, with the exception of one program that's a credit PE class. So mm -hmm. we do offer one PE. It's the same PE credit that you would get at any of your local high schools, and, mm -hmm. and our teacher provides that instruction so then your blind or visually impaired student does not have to take that PE class in an unmodified environment. Okay. And, and we really challenge our students. The PE class includes hiking up Enchanted Rock. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's rigorous and fun and yet um, everyone understands the accommodations our students need and so they're challenged to their um, maximum ability and they're not asked to like well you sit this one out because we don't really know how to modify this activity yeah. for you yeah. so um, so that's neat but um, the rest of the programs are focused on themed areas of interest and they they I would say they're all rigorous but the focus is on enrichment mm -hmm. and not that IEP focus of these goals and objectives so that's different mm -hmm. and and they're not required Whereas during the school year, you have goals and objectives you, your student has to meet. And, and the instruction that we provide in short-term programs is, is usually targeted at helping someone meet their goals and objectives. You know, Whether that's passing the STAR test, the statewide assessment, mm -hmm. or some other IEP-related objective. So 
during the summer, it really opens us up to focus on the expanded core curriculum mm -hmm. and to build relationships or to have the students build relationships with each other and hopefully build lifelong friendships. Yeah. You know, that each summer they come back or they stay in touch while mm -hmm. they're apart during the school year. You mentioned that they, um, some of the outcomes that you see for these students is building these friendships. What are some of the other outcomes you see after they attend your programs? I think uh, the courage to stand up for themselves, to mm -hmm. see other students who are facing the same challenges in school and, and the kids are teasing you for using a cane but you have some other peers who are at different places on their journey of, of self-advocacy. And right. so to get to see other peer models that say, oh, I use my cane all the time. I'm yeah. not embarrassed. <laughs> and if I bump into people, you know, they learn pretty quickly that they're not going to mess with me. You know, some kids get sassy. Yeah. But, but just to see other role models that are their peers that are really confident and, and comfortable being visually impaired and then requesting their accommodations, advocating for them. And it's not an adult telling a student, this is what you should do. Yeah. It's, it's a student speaking their own language saying, hey man, we don't have to put up with this. Right. We, you know, we can be independent and we can ask for the things we need. And if someone's teasing me because I'm using um, a magnifier in class, then they've got a lot to learn in life because, yeah. you know, this this is just uh, part of who I am and I deserve this opportunity and so I'm going to stand up for myself. So I think that positive role model that they can either, you know, bump into while they're here or develop together mm -hmm. you know, because our curriculum during the summer is, is focused on empowerment. Even though it's enrichment, you know, we, we yeah. infuse empowerment. Um, we build those skills over the summer. So we hope that's a big piece of what they gain while they're here. Yeah. And then to see other role models, we have teachers and other staff that are visually impaired or blind. Right. And so they have other adult positive role models in the world of work that they get to see. Oh, wow, that's how you do it. Oh, you ride the bus to work every day. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know yeah. that people could do that. In my town, we don't have public transportation, right. <laughs> yeah. you know. So, so I think that's another great benefit for having students from all over the state come here is to see what it's like to live in a community that's accessible yeah. for people with visual impairments. So it's probably so, a huge difference for some kids. Exactly, because some of our kids are the only visually impaired student for hundreds of miles. Mm -hmm. And so we're such a big state that it's, it's quite a challenge for all of our students across the state to get, to get the opportunities that we can you know, kind of condense here. You've mentioned a lot of things that are really beneficial to kids. What are some of the obstacles they face once they arrive here or maybe even after they leave? A lot of times when, when students come here, it might be their first time away from home, mm -hmm. especially the younger students. Yeah. It's the first time the family has felt comfortable. And, and usually the family comes for a tour first. Mm -hmm. Their TVI brings them in and says, look, you really can trust these people. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been sending kids <laughs> here for years. Every single one of them has come back happier <laughs> and stronger. So, um, But I do think you know, being away from home for the first time um, really getting used to how things are different, the smells, the sounds, the foods. You know, our, we do our best with our food, but it's not the same as mom's yeah. cooking. And, and the younger you are, the harder the time you have with that. 
but we find that even with those kind of typical homesickness struggles, that by the end of the week, in the great majority of cases, the mm -hmm. students are like, I don't want to go home. Yeah. I love it here. It's so much fun. <laughs> I can't wait to come back. Mm -hmm. So we, we have a lot of strategies that we put in place to help students succeed. And we have counselors and social workers that, that help us. That's and, great. And if student, students need someone to talk to, there's always someone available. They call their families. Sometimes they'll have a FaceTime or Skype talk if, mm -hmm. you know, if they're really struggling. But for the great majority of kids, they, they really do adjust yeah. at the end of the program. Yeah. So if, if one of our uh, listeners is thinking this sounds like a great option for their child or student, how, how do they go about signing them up? Well, you can just Google, the easiest way yeah. is just Google TSBVI short-term programs. Okay. It's the first thing that pops up, at mm -hmm. least in my search engine. Yeah. And, um, and if not, you can go to our website, uh, www.tsbvi.edu forward slash short dash term dash programs. And that's our website. You can look at our schedule on that website and see all the different classes that we offer. And then there's a specific application okay. that the TVI has to fill out. Okay. So we do require a referral from the teacher of the visually impaired. Mm -hmm. So there does need to be district buy-in to mm -hmm. this referral. We don't accept referrals just from families. So if families are listening to this, they would talk to their school districts and talk to their TVIs and, and talk about a referral to this program. That's really helpful because I'm sure it's confusing, especially for families to know how do you, what's the first step? Exactly. So. And, and in some very rare occasions, we have students that are in non-traditional schooling settings and maybe they're homeschooled or maybe okay. they're um, on homebound instruction or, or some kind of unique arrangement. If they, if they would like to call me, I can talk to you about the different options we have for those folks. And I'll be happy to talk to anyone who may not have a TVI but has a student or a child with a visual impairment. So I have also been spending a little bit of time with your staff through a book study you're facilitating. And of course, I found them to be an excellent group. So what type of teachers do you think are drawn to short-term programs? I think you have to be really comfortable um, being a researcher. Because, oh. because there's no way that you could possibly contain the knowledge for all the students in the state of Texas <laughs> in, in your, your brain at one time. Right. Even if you're a very experienced TVI and you have access to all the experts that we have here on campus. Yeah. So you have to be really comfortable with the idea of, gosh, you know what? I might not know how to use that particular device, mm -hmm. or I'm not an expert in that particular subject, but I have the time to research it, to talk to people who are experts, and then to put together a plan for that student. So if you want something that's really predictable and you want it to be the same day after day, yeah, I don't, I don't think you'd be drawn to short-term <laughs> programs because, because we're every time a student is referred we're adjusting our instruction to the needs of that student right it's not like we offer a class and the curriculum is static mm -hmm. you know we we have an idea of what we want to teach but then we look at the needs of each student and we tailor our content to the needs of each student 
So your teachers must have um, prep time built in to do that research and development. They do. Oh, and, that's and great. The best thing I think that frees them up that, that other TVIs don't have is that they don't have an ARD caseload. Yeah. So they don't have to attend ARD meetings, mm -hmm. and this is what allows them the time to do this research and to write those lesson plans and develop curriculum because they're not spending hours and hours and hours in ARD meetings. And that takes up a tremendous amount of time, and it's all for the greater good. It's right. an important part of the educational process, but it does um, take away from the time that a TVI has available to do this research and you know most TVIs out in the state they have pretty big caseloads yeah. and they have students that span from babies to 22 years old and all the different content areas and, yeah. and academic levels in between so it's it's nearly impossible for a TVI to have time to do the research for a really wide varied caseload so we're a support for TVIs and for districts. So your, your teachers have a, a unique job, but as an administrator, it's a very unique job for you too. So what drew you to short-term programs? This one's a hard question. It's a very good question. <laughs> the previous principal, Dr. Lauren Newton, she really kind of convinced me because I had spent the early part of my career and the majority of my career working with students with multiple disabilities. Mm -hmm. So in an alternate curriculum, taking the STAR alternate, um, different needs than students who are on grade level or close to grade level. So um, I didn't really consider, you know, I thought, oh, well, that's a different area of expertise. I've done all my, my work and my administration in this, this other realm. She convinced me of how the skills transfer across, you know, yeah. any group of students. And that what you really need is, you know, a, just a strong commitment to creative problem solving, mm -hmm. and and that you just have to be really comfortable being flexible and with change and innovation. Whereas in the schools, you're you're kind of your job is really clearly defined mm -hmm. because you have this ARD, you have these goals and objectives, you have these required subjects. Right. But in short-term programs, our goal and focus is to meet the need of each of the students who is referred to us. So how do we do that? Right. And it takes a lot of creativity to come up yeah. with different ways to do that. And at that time, uh, we were just starting to think about the realm of distance learning. Mm -hmm. And so that technology has always been an interest of mine. And so um, Dr. Newton convinced me <laughs> that, I, that it, w it would be just as rewarding. And of course it has been, you yeah. know, every part of my career working with students, you know, it's just, it's a privilege. And so it's been really um, a great learning experience for me too, because I'm learning along with my staff and, and discovering what are the obstacles to students achieving their goals and, and helping diminish those obstacles or what are new service delivery models we can use to reach more students. How can we use distance learning to expand the number of students we're serving? What, what parts of this do we not need to do anymore? What, what ways have, have uh, technology improved our lives so we can make things simpler? And how can we make it easier for families and for TVIs? You know, our department has a huge focus on innovation so that we can constantly expand the number of students that we're serving. You, you mentioned being creative, of course, but what do you think are some leadership traits that are, have been helpful for you running um, the short-term programs department? H hiring amazing people. <laughs> That's always a good one. <laughs> hiring amazing people. Um, getting feedback. I think being a collaborative 
leader oh, and yeah. really, you know, looking at our surveys. We have required surveys that, that the state, because we're a state agency as well mm -hmm. as a school, the state requires us to administer these surveys, but really looking at the results of those surveys and saying, what are families saying about our programs? What are TVIs saying about mm -hmm. our programs? What are students saying about our programs? How can we um, address the areas of feedback that they give us? And, mm -hmm. and by and large, the feedback is just great. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But don't, don't rest on your laurels there. You know, really push and try to find how can we be even better? You yeah. know, if, if, we, if it's been challenging for one student or person, how can we take away that challenge? So I, I have been asking everybody if they have any advice for me being new to Texas. So do you have any recommendations or advice? Yes, you need to go to Big Bend. Oh, really? <laughs> you no need, one said that yet. You need to go to Big Bend because you need to see the geographic diversity in our state. Oh. Just to really, it, it helps me so much um, just to see how different the Big Bend area, West Texas is. Okay. Because you're in Central Texas right now, and I think it, you know, you, now you'll be going on these trips all across the state, so you'll, you'll get this opportunity. Yeah. But I, I think seeing the different uh, parts of the state and um, how different they are from each other and then what the issues families and students might face in West Texas if you live on a ranch. Right. You know, what, what are the uh, educational challenges? What are the community building challenges that are a parent in that community as opposed to, you know, you live in downtown Houston right. and what, what are the challenges and opportunities there. So I think traveling the state as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Going on as many vacations okay. as you can. Done. Check. <laughs> I think that really informs your work and, and you know, it's also good for you to have a balanced life. Yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> I think that's great advice. Thank I you. like it. We're glad you're here. <laughs> Do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem? They may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. This episode's concept expert is Kathy Garza with TSBVI Short-Term Programs. She'll tell you more about the software they use for distance learning. Hi, I'm Kathy. I'm a teacher in Short-Term Programs, and I'm here today to talk a little bit about our distance learning courses and the learning management system that we used to develop them. For the last two years, teachers in short-term programs have been creating content and releasing distance learning courses to all of the students across the state. As we begin to plan for this new service delivery model, we needed to select a learning management platform to host our courses. After discussing several options, we decided to try Google Classroom for a variety of different reasons. Short-term programs had begun to receive an influx of requests to support students 
in accessing Google Classroom as part of their general curriculum. And as we investigated further, we discovered that many schools were beginning to deliver content using this platform as a way to incorporate digital media into their instruction. Google Classroom is also free to use in conjunction with the Google Suite, making it a great choice for districts and for us as we piloted this new service delivery model, because there would be very little risk in case it didn't work out. Some of our early classes focused on accessing Google Classroom using JAWS and or VoiceOver. And as those classes were developed, it became apparent that Google Classroom paired well with these accessibility tools. Students have also demonstrated success using Braille note-taking devices and Braille displays with this platform, which is wonderful because it means that we are able to support the needs of most of our students. Google Classroom's linear layout makes navigating through content inherently accessible because postings display vertically both on the main course page and within the assignments. This is great for students who are using screen readers, but also as a person with low vision who uses screen magnification software, I found this linear layout to be very helpful because it reduces the need to scroll horizontally, improving my ability to read posts and interact with my students while having little impact on my visual stamina. We also discovered that using Google Classroom enabled us to create courses in different formats. We can upload the entire course at once or in small increments. We can have students interact only with the content or they can interact with each other and or the teacher. We can include resources, attach files, upload videos, or use just narrative text to deliver or enrich our instruction. Using Google Classroom enhances our ability to be creative and develop content for a diverse population. And creating these classes has been such a new and exciting adventure for us in short-term programs. Thanks to Sarah and Kathy for taking time out of their busy class schedules to sit down with us. We'll soon be expanding our episodes to include information about organizations outside of TSBVI. From TSBVI and Ascensa, Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you next time. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please email podcast at tsbvi.edu.